0: The views and opinions expressed in this presentation by the hosts and guests are those of the individuals providing them and do not necessarily reflect those of the production company or distributors. Hi there and welcome to Two Old Chicks Who Know A Lot Of Shit season two episode three wow huh Wanda I'm Tina McElroy and I'm here with my pal my friend of uh, more than 50 years and my podcast partner Wanda Lloyd hey Wanda how you doing you know I'm just happy to be here today so here, <laughs> are we not the two busiest old chicks you've ever seen Y'all should see us when we are trying to get together on dates on our calendar. No, can't do that then, because I'm doing that. Wanda, you know you can't do it either, because you know we're doing this over here. Oh my goodness, we are. I love it's it. Just love amazing, it. just amazing. And when other people call me or text or e- email and say, "Well, can you? Can I call you about this? Or can I?" am like, "Hold on, I got to check my calendar. It's getting pretty full." <laughs> <laughs> and you check your Google calendar, and I check. My real calendar, Wonderful. You sent You said no, 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 no. Don't call it the real calendar. It's paper or Google, because you don't. You can't say that's real. You don't. I, you know like, I, mean? I would, It's realer than Google. I'd like to see the poll of the percentage of people who are using paper calendars versus a digital calendar. Absolutely. I bet you, I know y'all would win though. Yeah, Well, well. anyway, <laughs> well, we're going to have a great show today, a great uh, episode. I am so excited about the conversation that we're having today in honor of Black History Month and all that is going on. We're going to be talking about something that's near and dear, not only to my heart, but especially to my, uh, my podcast partner's heart. And that's because we're going to be discussing her memoir, Coming Full Circle. From Jim Crow to journalism. You ready? Well, Tina, you know I'm ready for this. This <laughs> month is my two-year book versary. Wow. Two years since my memoir was published. Can you believe that? I, I cannot. It's amazing. You mentioned it earlier. And I had to, I actually went back and I said, well, wait a minute, 21. I said, oh, absolutely. It was mm-hmm. February of, of 2020 of 20, 20, 20. 20. 2020. 2020, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, and, we had, and you had a we when I say we because I was going to go along for the ride. Yeah. We had a whole a whole uh, a plan for a book tour, and uh, you know, twenty twenty in February, you know what happened? Things mm-hmm. shut down about March. Wanda got in one good uh, two one or two good in person uh, readings. Right, and, a little more than that. I did I did four, I did four states in six weeks, and I had multiple reading. Uh, talks in some of the cities that I went to so you know I had a little bit of a book tour but but you know all I can say is it's just a blessing uh it's to be on this virtual tour and I, it's still going on because I'm still on the journey scheduling I'm still scheduling things I'm still adding things to my calendar well I have to tell y'all as a matter of fact I talked to um, my uh a library in, in Macon, and uh, they had wanted me, but they also wanted to talk to Wanda. So I haven't even told Wanda. I haven't even told Wanda about about things that are going on because okay. we all, we all be, and we're so grateful for it. As a matter of fact, that's uh, that's what that's one of the things I want to talk to y'all about. Um, I'm, I'm getting my calendar, Tina. I'm, I'm pulling yes. it up. Macon, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. Um, um, we're gonna do our check-in. Let's do that first. What we always do. And so, Juan, do you want to go first? Oh, sure, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I we talk about mentoring all the time, and you know, how, you know how important that is to me uh, to be a mentor. And I and I wrote in my memoir that it's important to me partly because I did not have a mentor when I was young, and so yeah. I met two new young people this week, in the past week, over the, the last few days. And I have adopted two more, what I call children. Uh, one yes, of them called, children. One of them called me to write a letter of recommendation. And one of them called because she got a job offer in a city that I used to be an editor in. And she okay. just wanted some guidance on how to go about her interview and a little bit about the city, the community. So that's my check-in, still mentoring after all these years. After all these years, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's uh, that's always interesting that uh, uh, mentees seem to find us no matter, you know, no matter where we are, the ones who are supposed to be our children are supposed to be for us. Well, my check in uh, on my on my paper calendar is uh, something that I wrote down. A couple of days ago, because Wanda said to me has said to me a couple of times recently is, yeah, Tina was on Twitter all night long. Yeah. Oh, Ask Tina about that. She's on social media. And I thought about it. And one of the things that that uh, uh, that I wanted to share with our audience is that I'm there, you know, intentionally, you know, one of the things that I want to do is to continue to be visible. I want to continue to be seen. I want to continue to let people know that I'm not just down here on St. Simon's, just in my garden, you know, that I'm writing and, you know, publishing and, uh, you know, looking for ways to sell more books and, uh, you know, as a publisher, looking for ways to support my new school. So, you know, I... I want to be on the stage. You know, I, the the uh, the joke is that baby boomers don't know when to leave the stage, uh, and you and I, you and I are, are poster girls for that, poster children for that. But you know, I want to be visible uh, on the stage, not just visible, but op- available to people. I, that's what I mean when I want to be visible. I want to be seen, not just for my work, but I want to be seen to say, oh yeah, she's still there. Let's reach out to her, or you know. Uh, you know, Tina went through that, you know, when I, when I, I knew her back in college, you know, maybe you need to reach out to her and she can tell you. So that being on, that being on, on Twitter, you're right. And you, you know, you are noticing that I'm there more and I'm just, you know, I'm being visible and I want, I want our audience to spread too. Of course, I want uh, two old chicks to have a, uh, what did you say, Wanda, in a meeting we had expert, you want the audience to grow expo- exponentially? Uh, I don't remember what I said, but that sounds good. But I will say this, Tina, when uh, you you know, of course I follow you on Twitter, but I have you set up in my notifications is one of my I Don't know what it's called because I set it up so long but ago. Think, yeah. Well, but I said everything you tweet, ahead. I see it, I see it, I see it. And so everybody who knows me well knows I go to bed early. I, I conk out around eight o'clock at night. I'm just gone. So I'm not paying attention to all those tweets as you're sending them. But when I wake up in the morning and I reach for my phone, it's just Ding 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 ding! It's Tina. Tina. She's been she's been uh, tweeting all night. But what you I have- all, well, you, you all know that as opposites as, as uh, resident opposites. I'm a night I'm a night owl, and Wanda, of course, is an early bird. And so, uh, when she conks out, I'm just starting to write. I'm just starting to you know get on Facebook. I'm just starting to you know. So I'm. It's after midnight before I go to sleep yeah but but what i have to say tina is i admire the fact that you are supporting other writers because a lot of what you're tweeting or retweeting is what writers are saying if writers are saying my my new book is out my book baby is is being birthed this month if they're saying i've been invited to this i got an award for that whatever they're saying tina is always either retweeting or tweeting with comments and chiming in congratulations you go girl just wonderful comments so I'm sure the writers that writers appreciate that I hope yeah I I think I'm sure they do I you know I hope so it's kind of like you were saying about not having a mentor you know we didn't have social media when I was uh coming up and but I did get support from the you know writers that were there but not the kind of support that we can give each other now right Yeah. yeah yeah someone wise told us it's a virtual hug. You sure I do it. like that. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's real good. Well, Wanda. It's time to get into the meat of the conversation. And the meat of the conversation is uh, your book, your memoir, Coming Full Circle, from Jim Crow to Journalism. Uh, Wanda knows that her book came out two years ago. And if you might might know that, you didn't hear the term Jim Crow nearly as much. Of course, we have reason to to hear it now, unfortunately, as you did before. So every time uh, when Wanda was editing the book, and even and when it came out, every time I would hear Jim Crow on the t- on the TV, I would scream Jim Crow. And then I, sometimes I would call her and say Jim Crow, you know. But when you have a book out, it's an exciting time, you know, and you want people to, you know, to share it with you. So Wanda, before we get into the book, I, let's uh, let's tell people uh, a little bit, especially folks who may be just joining us, a little bit about you and your background, and then we're gonna jump into the book. Okay. Well, I just want to thank you for this conversation. Tina and I were talking a few weeks ago, maybe a few days ago, about the fact that we've gone, we're in our second season. We were not quite a year into our podcast. And I said, Tina, we really haven't talked about coming full circle or the other book that you're going to hear us talk about uh, on a future podcast, our meeting at the table. I said, we really ought to tell people a little bit more about that. And so I'm really pleased that we're doing this in the month of February for Black History Month. So about me, I was an editor, uh, a newspaper editor. I grew up knowing that I wanted to be a newspaper editor. Tina reminds people, Wanda was the only person I knew who came to this film, and she knew exactly what she wanted to do, and she <laughs> did it. So You did. It was so impressive. It really was. Yeah. I'm sure it, it pushed me a little to think more seriously about my career. Well, I hope so. So uh-huh. I was an editor at Seven Papers. I worked in seven different locations around the country, which means I I moved a lot. I've lived, I think, in my career has taken me to eight states. Um, I worked at the, the Washington Post probably the longest time, uh, USA Today, Um, I retired in 2013 from Daily Newspapers uh, as executive editor at the Montgomery Advertiser. So unlike a lot of people, Tina's kind of a nontraditional path. I did not start as a reporter. I started as a copy editor. Mm -hmm. I've always been an editor, never a full-time reporter. I've done quite a bit of writing, but not uh, full-time as a reporter, which is how most people start. But I decided that that was the path that I wanted to take. And, and it was good for me. We start, We both started out as copy, yeah. copy, guests, exactly. copy editors. Yeah. Yeah. So in between, um, I had the opportunity to work at four different universities. I worked at um, University of Maryland when I was right at the beginning of my time at the Washington Post. I taught copy editing at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at Columbia University for an entire summer. I, I took a leave of absence from my first newsroom in Providence, Rhode Island, and worked at Columbia in, a, in the summer program. I was on the faculty for the summer program for minority journalists. Um, I worked at um, uh, Vanderbilt University, where I was founding executive director of the Freedom Forum Diversity Institute at Vanderbilt. It's a program to train non traditional students for careers in journalism. And then at the end of my career, after I retired from the Montgomery Advertiser, I came back to my hometown in Savannah and I was chair of the Department of Journalism and Mass Comm at Savannah State and associate professor. So that's my career. That's a, a brief description of it. And that's a large part of what the book is about. OK, so you're back in Savannah, you're back in your hometown. You have uh, uh, headed the Department of uh, of, uh Mass communications or journalism? At, at- journalism and mass communications. Mass yeah. and journalism and mass communications. Uh-huh. Okay, and you finally retire. Your husband says, "Well, you're the you're the only person he knows who has failed retirement. What two two times, three well, times?" my family, I think my family says something like, "I failed retirement one on one" because I just keep it's <laughs> just keep going. going. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so you're back in Savannah, and let's get let's get to the book. I want to know, you know how you know, what, how did you come up with it? Why a memoir? Why that book? And, uh, you know, the question, I'll tell you the question that I always think people ask is, what made you think that you're going to write a book? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> you know that I did. <laughs> so as I was nearing the end of my career, I started really thinking about my legacy. I knew I wanted a legacy of some kind, but a memoir really was not at the top of my list because I wasn't sure that that I could write one. And also, I quite frankly, and I had this conversation with you, Tina, I wasn't even sure that there would, I didn't think that there would be an audience of readers out there for me. I I actually said to you, who cares about my career? I just went to work every day. I just had a career. A lot, there are a lot of journalists out there. Um, but you, you impressed upon me the um, my obligation to think about how I would tell my story and so that's why a memoir and not something else I really never had a i don't think I have a novel in me I've never really wanted to be a, a novelist but mm-hmm. i I love telling stories and there are so many stories I mean as a journalist there are so many stories about real things that happen. And that's really what I've wanted to do. Yeah, and as a journalist, yeah, that is, that is the live story. The real story is what you want to tell. Okay, we don't want to get too much into it, but there are writers who are listening to us, who are in our audience. Can you just tell us a little quickly, you know, kind of how you approached it? I mean, you say you want to write a memoir. What does one do? I mean, you're familiar with writing and with journalism, with publishing and all your whole career, but now you were in another... Arena, and so you know how does one how does one approach that? Just if I you know if they're thinking, oh, I want to write a, a a memoir about my grandmother. I want to write something about even my own memoir. What what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you get a a really good mentor, which is what you were. <laughs> you get a you you talk to some people, some writers who can tell you. How to tell those stories, and you know, I made some mistakes along the way. I I wasn't sure how to tell those stories in a narrative nonfiction way. You know, you you reminded me when I showed you the first couple of chapters that you have some good stories, but you you know, stop being a journalist. You, I want you to write it in a way that you are describing everything around you. And even as journalists, we tell. I, you know, as an editor, I coached reporters to give me some color sometimes. Tell me what's going on in the situation. what's the color of the the curtains in the room if you're interviewing someone or what was the weather like or what was the building like that that person worked in? Was it a tall skyscraper or was it a one level? you know, just some color but there but that same thing goes for writing and you impressed upon me the importance of really sitting down and thinking about what were the things going on in the world, in my world and in the world. And so I, I did, I listened first, <laughs> I think. And then secondly, I did a lot of reading because I did need to remind myself, of, I mean, especially early in my life, because I wasn't really you know, necessarily glued to the news when I was two, three, four years old, but I didn't. Which, which by the way, surprises me, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, when I, when I really um, grasped the idea that my story started in the years of Jim Crow, that's when it really hit me that that was my story. My story was that I grew up in the Jim Crow era, and then I... Went to college during the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And then I pursued my career. But I was always, I believe, um, you know, that Jim Crow era left something in me and on me because Mm -hmm. it was something that. I I overcame. I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. We all had to overcome it. If there were things that people said we could or could not do or where we could do it or when we could do it, like where we go to school and whether we could go eat lunch at at a certain kind of restaurant, those kinds of things, they continue in our lives, including... Early in my adult life where even though it was legal to do certain things or to go certain places, sometimes I had doubt or fear that maybe I didn't belong in a certain place, including in my career, early in my career. Well, how did I get here? I wasn't able to do these kinds of things growing up. You know, How did I get access to having equality and working in a place where I'm sitting next to people and we're we're doing the same kind of work when I had to go to school? with only black people and have substandard furniture, furniture that was old and rutted out, I describe in the book, or books Most that were, were used. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's well, that's interesting. I don't know if we've ever even we've talked, we may have skimmed around talked around that, but that's interesting uh that uh, that you should say that because again everything that happens to us leaves some kind of mark. Yeah. yeah. Something there. It's not necessarily a scar. You know, it's still a mark, even even good things. Yeah, oh, Wow, that was that's that's very interesting. I want to slip in one question to you just because uh, I think that you have thought I know that you thought about it a lot. And mm-hmm. you've been in situations uh, uh, in the newsroom, I'm sure, where you've had to make these same kinds of decisions. And I just want to know with the concern and the buzz and the about the recent uh incorrectly called incorrectly called uh, critical race theory and mm. attacks on black books you know on books and library as you've pointed out to me you know books like mine or yours could be you know could uh, could be censored uh, and so I know that that's something that and as a former journalist I'm sure I know that's something the freedom of speech freedom of freedom of press freedom of, of writing and freedom of expression is something that's uh, close to you can you tell us something just to just speak to that a little bit? Uh, from from the viewpoint of, of of your book and your you know your experience in uh, you know in Jim Crow well first of all I think critical race theory is very subjective I think it's it's whatever the person who's talking about it or thinking about it is is thinking or whatever their um, point of view might be mm-hmm. I don't know that there's ever be, for like I don't know if anybody's ever written a, a policy paper on critis, critical race and defined it that that we can all agree on, you know. Okay, oh, we can all agree on, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah there's been a lot of there's been a lot of writing about it. Yeah. Um so I was having a conversation a few days ago with my local school, some people in my local school system on phone mm-hmm. on Zoom, and they were. Um, we were having a conversation about whether I might come and speak to some classes at my high school and some other schools and speak to faculty and, and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and at some point in the conversation, the gentleman who works for the system, one person on the call was a principal said, well, of course, I've got to get your book and read it. Cause we got to make sure that it's not CRT. And I, that was the first time it just sort of smacked me in the face that my book could be, not accepted or banned or not one of the books that students should be reading. And in fact, over the course of my uh, virtual book tour, I've had several people reach out to me who have read my book and these aren't teachers, who said, your book should be in every classroom. You, you, you know, Students should read this. Students need to know this. There are so many lessons for them. And I've always been flattered by that. And I said, yeah, from, me, you're from, from your lips to God's ears, but how do I make that happen? And it just dawned on me in this recent conversation that now with all this talk of critical race theory, that might not happen. You know, What if somebody decides that if I'm telling my story or the story about what happened in Jim Crow, that they don't want students to know about. But that's yeah, but that's offensive to to students. Student, the white, I'm sorry, offensive to white students. So the yes. white students, don't, you know, yes. don't want to know this. Well, you know, I mentioned critical race theory because you know, as you just said, it's so uh, uh, often it's misused offensive. because critical race theory is something that you you know you study in uh, law school, you know, in advanced degrees. And what they're just talking about is black. They're just talking about if it's there, you know, it's offensive. And I'm 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 really concerned about uh, this book. Thing. You know, I I, I posted that uh, we're going to have to, are we old chicks going to have to start going to school board meetings. But I think that might be it. You know, especially if we old chicks are, are authors and uh, and editors and publishers, that that seems to be the only way because uh, this the, the 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 format about critical race theory is mm-hmm. now you know filtering down to to everything, everything. To everything. Yeah, to everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that one of the things is that you you just mentioned is is that. There probably is no book that doesn't offend somebody. Mm-hmm. It probably there, probably there probably shouldn't be a book that doesn't offend somebody or make them think. Right. And I think that, you know, I think that our kids, as you and I have talked about this, our kids are just losing out, losing out. Absolutely. Can you imagine that students would not be reading Maya Angelou? Yes, I mean, Toni Morrison. Yes, I mean, I'll, you know, don't get us started. We'll just go down. We'll go down the whole the whole canon, you know, the canon that Black folks have have created, not the canon that uh, uh that is in uh, you know most universities and has been used in the past. Okay, well, I want to get back to your book, but I just wanted to get that in because I just wanted to get your you know your thoughts on it. Um, tell me, are there, uh, is there? I want to take ask you about one takeaway from your book, but I know that there are many, so I'm not going to stick you to one takeaway uh, Mm -hmm. from from reading your book. Uh, Can you tell maybe a takeaway for young people, maybe a takeaway for adults? Oh, Young people. Um, I think the takeaway for young people is when you set your mind on something and it's really what you want to do, if it's your passion, if that's your, your fire in the belly, find a way to get it done. That's quicker than you thought I'd come up with that, right? Well, I, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 what about what about for 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 old chicks or for you know the rest of us who have lived a little bit? Well, I I I, I think I have to do two for the old old folks, older folks. One is to um, encourage young people and support young people, and 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 tell them they can do what they want to do but also but when i say support sometimes i was watching a movie or or a short film or something just last night and the 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 young person wanted a career in i think it was art and the father wanted that person to have a career in whatever he did Mm -hmm. and and it might have even been a sport a difference oh yeah it was a sport it was um basketball the the father was a basketball player in college and Uh he wanted his he just knew his son was going to be a basketball player and his son wanted to be an artist and was Uh very good at it you have Uh to support young people and what they are good at and what they're passionate about because you know if we're not passionate about something we're not going to do it well yeah yeah. And and we also don't want to want to waste time on something that's not that you're not passionate about. I think in fact we we both we know we both believe that we're always uh, uh being led by our passions, being yeah. led by what what our heart feels, what we really want to do, what we want to leave, what we what Mark we want to leave on the you know on the earth. Well, I tell you, you know, your book is left quite. But, but Tina, can I tell you one more thing for the adults, and that's to tell your own story. And, and a lot of adults are saying that to me now I didn't even think I had a story but tell your own story and it does not have to be a book. It does not even have to be written. It could be a video it could be on you know on social media it, there are so many different ways to tell you that's own the truth story. It could be th- music, all photographs, music But don't let somebody else tell your own story. So that would be the other piece of advice for adults And that so, comes from, that comes from somebody who did not think she had a story. I know right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, can I ask you one more thing? Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't let you get away without asking this. You working on anything else? Working on anything new? Well, I'm working on a lot of things. Uh, I'm, I'm writing for my, my local daily newspaper. I'm writing a twice monthly column, although I think I'm up <laughs> I'm already committed to three columns. In- I was going to say, I think you've done three already. Okay. It's working out so well. um I, I, you know, I write for other small things, at, as mm-hmm. people ask me. Um, I'm working on another project with a group of ladies who are uh, writers and speakers and and ministers, and we have decided to do a project and Two Old Chicks podcast. Talk, we're going to talk about it, about it, it later, but that's coming up ahead. very quickly. And I'm starting... And I'm working on an outline for another book because you keep oh. encouraging me that I should do another book. So the outline is is coming together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so- I've just got to find the time between the column and the other this and the that and the that and the that. chicks checks all of that. Yes, exactly. little well, We're going to help you find time because we 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 want that we want that second book. We want that second book. But first, we want everyone everyone to uh to investigate. Just you know, take a look at it. investigate this book, and and I'm sure that you're going to purchase it and read it, and I hope share it with other people. It's also a wonderful book uh, for intergenerational discussions. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm you said young people can take one thing from it older folks from from another yeah. yeah well this has been a great discussion thank you so much wanda thank you thank you so much and whew, we just oh got- i just want to say one other thing the book yeah. i do again is coming full circle from jim crow to journalism it's published by new south books there we go and that's wanda at what age wanda 22. this was me at 22 years old on the copy desk at the providence journal in Rhode Island. Isn't that a wonderful, that's perfect. That's a perfect picture for the cover. Thank you. you. All right. Uh, as our listeners know by now, our regular listeners, we love to drop some wisdom. You know, old, old chicks love to drop some wisdom. But we have so much. So uh, before we go, let's do that. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Is that good. Okay. Mm-hmm. My wisdom today is sweet potatoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I learned something by accident Yes, this week. It's been cold, I think, for just about everybody in the last week or the last two weeks. And uh, I like I like vegetables. And one not I always talk about, well, did you have a lettuce? I mean, did you have spinach uh, this today? Did you have, I think you had salmon today? So we keep each other in check about really what we're eating. We also like to sneak cookies in our desk, but we also like to get our vitamins. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and so, I had the sweet potato and I said, okay, this is going to be good for me. And I just put it in the oven. This was during the day, like maybe one o'clock. And I went outside for the first time because it's been so cold. And I said, Oh, okay, I can go outside finally. It's still cold, but I go outside. And I went outside and I worked and worked. I was still going out there about maybe 45 minutes, you know, or an hour. I came back in the house, wandered, my house smelled like my mama's kitchen. Oh, that sweet potato smells so good. And it was warm and comforting and and just, you know, so I I think my, my wisdom is, you know, find those things, little things that comfort you. Find those things that comfort you. I mean, if, if y'all gonna put a sweet potato in the oven and walk out the house and go to the mailbox or take go for your walk this week, I don't know what you're thinking about. Because when you walk back in that house, it's going to feel and smell. Oh, and taste like home. Sweet potatoes is my wisdom for the week. What well, about you, Wanda? Well, Tina, I had no idea that you were going to say, find those things that comfort you. Because that's exactly what I was going <laughs> to really? say. Really? Uh, I, mean, I, I think, think that's good. What, what's your viewpoint? My, my wisdom is create a place of comfort around you. Surround yourself with the things that matter to you. For me, it's it's books. It's art. It's uh, sometimes Fresh flowers. Sometimes some people like potted plants. I prefer fresh flowers because I don't have to take care of them for a long time. Uh, It could be commitment, right? (laughs) Yeah, it could be pillows on the sofa that you just sort of fall into. Mm -hmm. It could be pets because you know you and I both have. We're both pet. Pet mamas. Yeah, pet babies, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so just surround yourself with the things that are of comfort to you. You don't have to spend a lot of money if you're young and you're just starting out. You know, if it's just one of those things, if it's just a couple of big pillows, that's okay. If it's a, if it's a, a fish tank or a fish bowl or something. But if, a, if it's a candle that you light every day. Exactly. I love candles. I don't have and a whole lot do. of them, but those are the things... Uh, music, just listening. Everybody can listen to music because it's on your phone. You know, mm-hmm. you can listen to to YouTube or one of the free streaming services. So, but just surround yourself with the things that give you comfort. You know, we we talk all the time about self care, and those are the things to me that are self care. Because when I, you know, when I'm walking around the house in the morning and I'm looking at the, I might stop and look at the bookshelf and I go, Oh yeah, I remember that. Or I might look at a piece of yeah. art on the wall. And I go, Oh yeah. yeah. that. Me feel so good. So that's my creative that's a great place. idea. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a great wisdom. Art for me is it the same way that you look at the books, I can always look at my art and think, oh my goodness, I see something in it, or I think about the artist. That's usually what I do. I think about the artist creating that. That's a very good wisdom. Very good, Wanda. I, I, I like that. I like that. Create a place of comfort. <laughs> Well, that's it for this third episode of Two Old Chicks podcast in our season two. And we hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. If you haven't already, we want you to subscribe to Two Old Chicks on Spotify and on YouTube and tell others, tell other people that you know about uh, the podcast. And before we let you go, we also want to remind you uh, to learn more about the book that Tina and I co-edited, Meeting at the Table, African-American Women Write on Race culture and community. You can learn more about it at downsouthpress.com. Thank you, Wanda. Well, that's it for another podcast. I think I think we're wrapping this one up, Wanda. Yes, we <laughs> we'll to... see you soon. Bye everybody. Love and peace. Bye-bye. Love love. Two old chicks who know a lot of shit is brought to you by executive producers Tina Baplorianza Wanda Smalls-Lloyd, and Kara Finner walker Produced by Black Girls Right.